Martin Show tonight, we'll be talking about control, why people control others and how they do it. Surely, if you've ever been controlled, you know how bad it is. Because often the people who are doing the controlling are the ones who say that they themselves are the ones being controlled. You know what that usually means? It usually means they don't get their way. And because they're not getting their way, they're controlling or they are claiming that the other person they're trying to control is the controller simply because they don't get what they want. Or sometimes the person who's doing the controlling refuses to see that he or she is being controlling because they say, but my motives are good. I'm trying to help. I'm going to do what I can to benefit you in whatever way I possibly can. Either way, it feels terrible to be controlled and even more terrible when the person who is controlling you thinks that he or she isn't doing it. Well, tonight I'm going to teach you an acronym that you can use to understand why people try to control other people. Even if that person might be you, that you can understand this acronym that can give you insight into the motivations of people who control, or if you're being controlled, give you insight into the motivations of the person who's controlling you. At the same time, I'll give you another acronym, actually one that we use in helping relationships, but we'll use it tonight in a different way altogether. And in that second acronym, I'm going to give you some of the ways that people do control. In other words, how they do it. And so tonight we're talking about why people control others and how they do it. You understand that when people are being controlled, they don't like it. As a matter of fact, they can create even a sense of worthlessness. Uh, some time ago, I did a research paper myself. I did a study. I should say that. I didn't write actually an academic paper. I did a study. And it was an internet study where I invited people to answer questions about whether they felt controlled, and if so, how it affected them and the methodologies that the person was using to control them. And one thing I heard was this from a person who's being controlled. Actually, this was a woman, and she said, I feel that I no longer exist. What she was saying is, because I'm being controlled and dominated, I have a sense of worthlessness, like I really don't exist as a human being. Another person said, I live in fear of failure. I feel like anything I'm about to do is going to be inadequate. In other words, another result of being controlled is a loss of confidence. Others feel depression and anxiety. Like one person, actually this was a woman as well, who said, I felt nauseated any time he called because I knew I was about to hear something else that I had done wrong and that he wanted me to do differently. And so people who are controlled often wind up being disengaged from their family or friends, sometimes because they feel like such a failure or feel inadequate if they've been controlled long enough, dominated strong enough. Sometimes they're disengaged from their family and friends because the controlling person doesn't want them to have any contact with family or friends. And eventually, some people who are being controlled finally have enough, and they reach a point of rebellion when they say, that's it. I don't want to live like this anymore. You see, each human being on the planet wants to do his or her own self-determination. What that means is I want to be able to make my own decisions. I want to own my own emotions, my own feelings. I want to be able to decide how I want to do this and that and the other. I don't want somebody always telling me what I should do or how I should do it. So in that world where we want this self-determination, where we want to be respected for the person that we are, we don't want to feel that we're inadequate. We don't want to walk around feeling depressed because we're worried about what the other person is going to say. We really want to have a number of relationships. In a world like that, why is it that some people feel so compelled to try to control another person? Well, let me give you an acronym. It's going to be the letters F-A-R, FAR. Because, you see, when people control another person, if you are an individual trying to control somebody else, you will push that person far away from you. So understand, F-A-R, this is the acronym we're going to use to understand the motivations behind why people try to control. So the F, the F stands for fear. So what does that mean? Well, sometimes you try to control because of the fact that you think the other person's going to hurt you. You fear they're going to hurt you, either by leaving you. Boy, someday I think that you're just not going to stay with me. Therefore, I'll try to control you. I know a gentleman several years ago who was just convinced that his wife, who was a beautiful woman, was going to finally become interested in somebody 
different, not him anymore, that eventually she would not want to be with him. And because out of his fear that she was going to find somebody else to go be with, that she would abandon him and leave him for, he became extremely controlling. I mean, to the point that if she went to the grocery store, he'd ride by 10 minutes later just to see if she was there. He went further than that. He finally started bugging the house and, and doing things on the phone where he could find out who she talked to and all this without her knowledge. And when she finally discovered it, she said, that's it. I won't live like this anymore. So what was his fear? His fear was that she would leave him. And by that fear, he actually ran her away. Well, there's some other kind of fears as well. In addition to the fact that you'll hurt me by leaving me or you'll hurt me by putting other people above me. I'm not going to be the most important person in your life. You're going to put your family above me. You're going to put your friends above me or fear even that you'll embarrass me. You're going to hurt me that way by the things that you do. Or maybe you fear that you're going to hurt yourself. Now, if you're talking about a child and the child's about to do something dangerous that the child does not see the danger in, then it makes sense to control. But when it comes to another human being who decides about his or her own actions and you're thinking, I'm not going to let you do this. I'm going to try to control you because I'm afraid that if you don't live under my control, you're going to wind up hurting yourself or wind up hurting others. So you understand one motivation is fear. Fear that you're going to hurt me by leaving me, embarrassing me, not making me important in your life. Fear that you're going to hurt yourself. Now, that's the F. Now, let's go to the A. The A is arrogance. Now, right under that, we'll put immediately selfishness. I mean, sometimes people just are pure selfish. What I mean by that is they decide whether or not their spouse can do something. They actually allow their spouses to do certain things like, okay, I'll let you go do that. Okay, I'll let you wear that. Okay, I'll whatever else. And that is pure arrogance that you can be so selfish that you can make decisions about what's best for your spouse and what it is that he or she can do because of your own choices. I want you to do what makes me happy, period under that same arrogance, not just selfishness, but sometimes people who just think they're smarter. Like, you know, you're not as smart as I am. I'm no better than you do. Many, many years ago, I was actually called to the home. I was actually back in my 20s in those days. And I was called to the home of a couple who were having troubles, even though I was not yet in the marriage business back then. I was helping people, and so I was called over there. And in the course of the conversation with this couple, he explained to me that he, he was telling me this, that he is intelligent. As a matter of fact, extremely intelligent. He told me about his degrees. He told me about his IQ. He told me about the position he had. And then he looked at his wife and she was sitting right there in the room. And he said, but she's just not that bright. Therefore, I really have to make all her decisions because she'd put us in the poor house if I let her decide so I asked him, well, if you think you're that far superior to her, that you're that much smarter than she is, then why did you marry her? He said, well, I figured that she'd make a good mother for our children. I said, in other words, what you are telling me is that because you don't see her as intelligent, you do not see her as your equal, you married her because you thought she'd basically make a good brood cow. Is that what you're telling me? He said, well, as a matter of fact, I think, yeah, that's probably a good illustration. She'd make a good brood cow. Can you imagine the arrogance of somebody who thinks that he or she is that much smarter than the other person that I can make your decisions for you? Now, let's look to the R. First, we did the F. That's fear. Fear that you're going to hurt me because you're going to leave me. Fear that you're going to hurt me because you're going to make other people more important than me. Fear that you're going to embarrass me. And then we get to the A. The A is that Pure arrogance. I'm selfish. I want my way. You will do what I want you to do because I want it to be my way. Or people who just purely think I'm smarter than you. Therefore, you need to listen to me because I can tell you how to do things differently. Now, here comes the R. So you got the F. That's fear. You got the A. That's arrogance. And here's the R. And that's rigidity. These are people who say there are some rules for life, and we're going to live by those rules no matter what. Interestingly, they are the ones who set the rules. Oh, now, they may claim that they're getting the rules from someplace else. For example, they may claim that the rules are coming from their religion. Based on our religion, this is what you must do. And I'm going to make sure that you do. And if you don't live up to all those rules or 
all those things in our religion, then I'm going to punish you in some fashion. I'm going to make sure that you obey. So did you get those three things to make up the letter, the word far, F-A-R? These things are the motivations that lead people to try to control other people. Fear, arrogance, rigidity. Now, you say, okay, I, I get a little insight into the fact that this is what motivates people. By one or more of those things might lead them to want to control the other person. But what kind of ways do they do it? Well, when we are talking to people about how to rebuild relationships or even how to fall in love the first time, we talk about a thing called PIES, P-I-E-S. Now, I'm going to be using that same acronym, P-I-E-S, actually using the same words they refer to, but in a very different way than what we normally do. Because in my book, The Art of Falling in Love, and in our programs and courses, when we talk about PIES, we talk about physical attraction, how you can become physically attractive and more physically attractive, intellectual attraction, emotional attraction, and spiritual attraction. Now, I'm going to use those same letters to mean those same things, but in this case, not talking about attraction, I'm going to be talking about the pies of control. You say, what do you mean? Okay, the P stands for physical. Some people control another person by doing it physically. For example, they use their size, they use their weight, they use their intimidation factor. I'm bigger than you. I can loom over you. You know that I can hurt you. And I'll get a look on my face that will make you afraid of me. I'll growl at you. I'll say things that make you think I'm physically going to hurt you. And so through my physicality, I will intimidate you into doing what it is that I want you to do. As a matter of fact, sometimes that physical intimidation is not just intimidation. Sometimes it's real physical action that I'm going to do things to hurt you if you don't do what I want you to do. So under physical control, there is intimidation or physical action. Another is sexual control. Actually, it comes in two ways. One is I'm going to withhold sex from you unless you do what it is that I want you to do. And until you do those things, don't expect to have any sexual contact with me. And so some people try to control their spouses by withholding and occasionally rewarding with sex. There's another side of that, and that is some people who are constantly demanding sex. As a matter of fact, I remember a few years ago talking to a lady who said that she finally had enough and couldn't stand it anymore and left her marriage because he was demanding sex constantly. But you see, he was doing it actually in a way to control her and not just control her by having sex with her regularly, but by telling her how she was going to have sex with him. We're going to have sex more often than you want. We're going to do it this way and you're going to do it that way and you will do it to make me happy. Then there's also another physical way to control people, and that's through money. One lady told me, for example, he made sure, since I was a homemaker and he was the one out there making the money, the way the checks, well, actually, the checks never came home. He put some into an account that I had access to, and he put most of it into an account that he had access to, and he literally controlled everything I did by deciding how much money I could have. And therefore, I only could spend this much money for groceries and this much money for clothing and etc. And it was always a situation where just to get by, I was having to ask my husband, could I have a little bit more money to buy the clothes for the kids? School's about to start. Could I have a little more money for the groceries because it's Johnny's birthday? And so by controlling the money, he was controlling her. Then another way that physical and control can take place, in addition to what I've said so far, having to do with physical intimidation or physicality, having to do with sex, having to do with money, is also trying to control physically who the other person actually gets to spend time with. And so I've been told by many people, my spouse will not allow me, listen to that, my spouse won't allow me like you're some kind of a slave. My spouse won't allow me to spend time with my parents because he doesn't like my parents or with my friends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And will be doing all kinds of things to make sure that my physical presence is exactly where he or she wants me to be. And that I'm not being influenced by other people so that he or she has complete control over my life. Well, that's physical control. Then there's intellectual control. That's the I of the word pies. So P, physical, I, intellectual. And these are people who will control. Some do it just by acting superior. They question 
everything. Whatever you say, whatever you think, whatever you do, they're questioning. Do you really think that could be right? Do you not read the newspapers? Do you not read the magazines? Did you not get an education? How in the world could you think those things are the right things to do? And so they're constantly in their superiority telling you how to do this and how to do that, even how to cook, how to cut the grass, how to drive the car. They're telling you everything about this is how you should do it. And they're doing that through that superiority acting where they're acting as if they are just so much wiser and smarter than you. And another part of that under the intellectual control are the people who argue and they will argue incessantly. If you don't see it their way, or if you don't want to do it the way they want you to do it, they just argue and argue and argue until finally you give up. And they probably walk away thinking, well, at least finally you saw the wisdom in what I had to say. When in actuality, you just got fed up to hear, and you thought, that's it. I can't take it anymore. I'd rather give in than keep on like this. And while the other person thinks you finally came to agreement, what happens is you came to resentment. So there's physical control. There's intellectual control. There's emotional control. That's the E of the word pies. And those are people who can use such things as their anger. I'll just blow up and explode. And because of the fact that you want to avoid my anger, you'll just do whatever it is I want you to do. And you'll avoid doing anything that I want you to do. Or another way to control you emotionally is through criticism and sarcasm, where I'm constantly putting you down. Or, or even the opposite of that, where it's just the pure silent treatment. If you don't do what I want you to do, if you don't act like I want you to act, you don't think like I want you to think, if you don't feel like I want you to feel, I'll just ignore you. I'll avoid you. I'll pretend that you don't exist until finally you can't stand it anymore and you give in. And even under that, under the emotional control, is that I will embarrass you. And I'll embarrass you no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. If you're not doing it like I want you to, or saying what I want you to, or feeling what I want you to, I'll embarrass you in front of anybody, your parents, your friends, the public, God himself. And now we come to the last word, spiritual. So a P is physical ways to control people, I, intellectual ways to control people, and the E is emotional, and now the S is spiritual. Spiritual? That's when a person claims moral authority. Well, you know that this is what God says we should do, and therefore you better do it this way. Like one man who was telling his wife, his wife he was treating terribly and controlling in all kinds of ways, And then he was chastising her because she wasn't wanting to have sex with him every day. Well, she wasn't wanting to have sex with him because he was treating her so badly. I mean, their emotional connection was awful. And yet when she would not submit, he would look at her and start quoting from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where it says that the wife should fulfill her marital duty to her husband and that by not doing that, she was a sinner until finally she would yield and have sex with him because she didn't want to violate the word of God. But in having sex with him in those kind of emotional states, it certainly wasn't fulfilling for her. And it was only fulfilling for him because it wasn't about an emotional connection. It was about a physical connection. And so they can even say, this is what the rule says. Therefore, I am spiritually justified. And they'll even use guilt against you to make you do the things that they want you to do. So did you hear all those things? We can summarize the motivations that lead people to control with the acronym FAR, F-A-R, fear, arrogance, and rigidity. And we can summarize the ways they do it with the word PIES, P-I-E-S, which basically has to do with I'll physically intimidate or control you, I'll intellectually uh, control you, I'll emotionally control you, I'll spiritually control you. Now, just before I start taking calls, because my guess is by now, some people are out there saying, wait a minute, you make it sound like I'm controlling, but I am trying to do what's right. For example, you just said if somebody quotes the Bible to try to control somebody else, that that's wrong. Is it always? And the answer is no, it's not always. And so what I'm going to do when we finally open up for calls here in just a very few minutes is that if you wish to talk about your particular situation, things that you aren't doing or things that are being done to you, I will share with you, after asking you a few questions for clarification, I'll share with you my opinion. Now, 
Listen to me very carefully. I am not God. Therefore, my opinion could be wrong. And it may be that when you share with me, this is what I'm trying to do to save my marriage, and my husband who's leaving me says I'm being controlling by what I do. After I hear what you have to say, my opinion might be in total agreement with you that what you're doing is the right thing. You should keep on doing it. And the very fact that he says you're controlling is the way he's trying to control you. On the other hand, it may be that if you say, well, I'm doing this, this, and this, and my spouse who is trying to leave me, or even your spouse who's living with you, says I'm controlling, you may hear my opinion where I will say, I actually think you are. Based on what I just heard, I think that is a controlling behavior. Therefore, if you're going to tell your, your, your situation, if you're going to listen for my opinion, again, I admit it's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I am not God. But if you ask for my opinion, I'm going to give you my opinion, and I hope, I truly, genuinely, honestly hope it doesn't offend you, but I will give my honest opinion. Now, before I do that, I'm going to run through 30 quick questions. It won't take but just a very short period of time to do this. Think about these things I'm about to read, and then in your own mind, rate them on a scale of one to seven. One would be like this. One would be never. I never do what you just said, Joe. Two would be rarely. Three would be occasionally. Four would be, well, about as often as not. Five, more often than not. Six, most of the time. And seven, all of the time. I'll run through those seven very quickly. One, never. Two, rarely. Three, occasionally. Four, about as often as not. Five, more often than not. Six, most of the time. And seven, all of the time. Now, by the way, as I'm going to run through these 30 statements for you to rate on that scale, I'm also going to give you at the end of that a page, a URL that is, an address on the internet where you can actually go and get a free ebook about control. And that ebook has these 30 statements with that rating scale in there so that you can actually download it and take more time and do it on your own. Or if you are in a situation with a spouse or someone else that you feel is controlling, you may ask them if they would rate these things. Hmm. Or maybe you would even rate how they are treating you on these. In other words, you don't have to just do it as you listen to me here. I'll be glad to give you the URL that you can go on the internet and get this ebook that has all, all these things in them. So now on that seven point scale, just rate each of these. I'm going to run through all 30 pretty quickly. The first one, there are things my spouse does not allow me to do or to be involved with. Okay, is that never, rarely, occasionally, about as often as not, more often than not, most of the time and all of the time. Obviously, by the way, we're rating whether or not your spouse is controlling you. So there are things my spouse does not allow me to do or to be involved with. Number two, my spouse uses guilt, shame, or the silent treatment to get me to do what he or she wants me to do. Three, my spouse uses anger, yelling, or rage to get me to do what he or she wants me to do. Number four, my spouse tries to control what I wear telling me how I should dress, how I should look, and so forth. Number five, my spouse uses religion to try to control things I do or things I think or things I feel. Number six, my spouse gets frustrated or angry when things aren't going his or her way and makes my life miserable. Number seven, my spouse gets angry and treats me with contempt if I make a mistake. Number eight, when I disagree, my spouse continues to explain or argue until I yield. Number nine, when I don't agree with my spouse, or if I do something he or she doesn't like, my spouse becomes critical and sarcastic. Number 10, my spouse has me on a strict allowance so that he or she has control over most of the money that comes into our household. Number 11, my spouse believes I need his or her leadership and direction. Number 12, my spouse steps in and solves my problems even if I've not asked nor want him or her to be involved. Number 13, my spouse corrects what I say or what I do, telling me what I should have said or how I should have done it. Number 14, my spouse expects me to do things and think the way he or she does and believes that his or her way is better. For example, tells me how to drive, tells me what to say to my friends, tells me how I should deal with situations and so forth. Number 15, my spouse tries to make my choices for me. Example, maybe even tells me what I should order in a restaurant. Number 16, my spouse dismisses my opinions or knowledge as being incorrect or even stupid. 
Number 17, my spouse takes over a task I'm doing because he or she feels that he or she can do it better. Number 18, my spouse avoids discussing important matters with me, leaving me to handle matters on my own, and then getting angry if I did it in a way that he or she doesn't approve. Number 19, my spouse treats me as if I am incompetent. Number 20, my spouse negatively affects my self-esteem. 21, my spouse lectures me or talks to me like I am a child. Number 22, my spouse checks my phone, my emails, Facebook pages, etc., so that he or she will know what I'm doing or who I communicate with. Number 23, my spouse sneaks to find information about me that he or she can use to criticize or condemn. Number 24, my spouse gets angry or upset if he or she doesn't know where I am. Number 25, my spouse tries to keep me from spending time with family or friends or gets angry if I spend time with family or friends. Number 26, my spouse tells other people things about me so that he or she can isolate me from others. Number 27, my spouse finds ways to make his or her errors or shortcomings my fault. Number 28, my spouse demands that I wear apparel that I do not feel comfortable wearing. Number 29, my spouse demands or pressures me to participate in sexual acts that I do not wish to do. 30, my spouse gets angry if I'm not ready for sex anytime he or she wants it. Now, by the way, as you heard, as I read through those 30 questions, those were actually analyzing whether you're being controlled. On the other hand, if you get that ebook, I'm about to give you the URL where you can get it. If you get that ebook, you can just switch the reading just a little to decide whether or not you're being controlling. For example, rather than saying, my spouse tries to keep me from spending time with family or friends or gets angry if I spend time with family or friends, change it to you. I try to keep my spouse from spending time with family or friends, or I get angry if my spouse tends spends time with family or friends. And so you can easily read it a little differently and, and therefore do some evaluation on your own. Now, if you're saying, okay, Joe, how do we score that? You told us we had a one to seven scale. So do we add all those things up to see what the total score comes to? No. Here's how you do that. You see, those statements all came either from research articles about control and how people feel controlled or through my own survey that I did trying to find out how people felt controlled. And since those statements came from that and those sources, understand that any one of those that you scored a four or higher may indicate that you're controlling particularly if it's higher than four. And so through those 30, if you only had one that had a four or higher, at least in that one way, perhaps you're controlling. Out of that 30, if you had 10, then you're much more controlling. So you're saying, okay, Joe, tell us how. How do we get the ebook? How can we get that so we can look at this for ourselves? Now, the ebook is over 20 pages long. It's not just that little test there. It is um, it has a lot of conversation and explanation about control. It also gives you a telephone number to call if in being controlled, you are in danger so that you can call people who can actually help you get safe if you are in a dangerous situation. So how do you get that ebook? Okay. www.marriage, that's marriagehelper, marriagehelper.com. Say with me now, that's www.marriagehelper.com marriage helper, like marriage helper, marriagehelper.com slash control. That's just the word, small letters, C-O-N-T-R-O-L. So www.marriagehelper.com slash control, all in small letters. If you go there, you can get that ebook. And from there, you can start making decisions about whether you're being controlled or if someone is controlling you. And we're about to go to the callers, and as we do, if you, if you intend to ask me what I think, I'm going to be glad to tell you what I think. Make sure that if you ask my opinion, you really want to know. And so here we go. We're going to area code 904. Hello, 904. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Uh, hi, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And the first name, please? Uh, first name is Kyle. This is probably the third time I've talked to you. Hi, Kyle. How are you? Uh, I've been better. Um, uh, since we had talked 
um, my wife had, um, she had filed for divorce. And um, on top of that, um, after some exhibiting some crazy behaviors, she decided that she would uh, basically lie and tell them that I was endangering her and our kids, even though I would never do such a thing. And she filed an injunction against me. So Mm -hmm. currently, I have no way to actually even talk to her. Not only that, I can't even see my kids uh, for Easter, obviously, and and for my birthday and everything else. Um, I'm really battling with trying to figure out, you know, I do feel strongly um, that she's being coerced by her mother and pushed, but I also believe that she is still hurt. And um, I'm being told on some camps from my lawyer saying, just go ahead and get it over with. Um, you know, you just want to do your best to try to try to get out of here without losing your shirt and everything else. Mm-hmm. And, 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 um, um, anyway, um, her own lawyer didn't even know that she filed an injunction. Um, we found that out today and, mm-hmm. uh, that just confirms my point that she's acting on most likely mommy's advice. Um, and I'm really struggling with, you know, how do I fight this? Uh, but also if I fight this, won't she look at me as being controlling? Because she said, um, on the night that she drove over here, the same night that she told me she was going to file an injunction the next day, which didn't make any sense to me, um, that she said, I'm not going to let you control me anymore. And she says, if you really if you really loved me, then you would just divorce me and let me go. And, and I, I told her I can't, I I said, it's not about that. I said, it's about, you know, we haven't even talked. (laughs) Okay. So can I ask um, a question or two? When, when she said you have controlled her, did she give any examples of how she felt you were controlling her? Um, in the past she has many times. Can you just give me one quick example? Um, I mean, the answer is yes. I controlled her. I just didn't know it, and I didn't know why. Um, okay. One exa- one example. Um, well, we can go through the examples if you want to, but um, an example would be for those listening. I guess um, you know, I knew that her mother was very controlling and manipulative, and how she came when she left her mother's house and came back to our house. It was always very negative. And so I would always try to discourage her from hanging out with her mother or her, or her sister for that matter. And, you know, nowadays she looks back on that and says that I was controlling, um, okay. you know, so she felt you were controlling because you were trying to have her sp- or get her not to spend as much time with her mom. Now, that was fi- just one example, right? I understand. I got that. And, and based on what you just said, you see that that would be perceived as a controlling behavior on her part. You said that, right? Sure, yeah. And I, I, you know, the other night I had an opportunity when she asked me, she was like, you really controlled me. And I was like, I mean, I still mm-hmm. to this day don't think that I was as bad as she thinks I was. But, you know, after taking your survey now, I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> okay. You know. So she's filed an injunction, and you just found out about the injunction today is what I just heard you say. And her own attorney no, didn't no, know I that. Out, I found out the, about the injunction, I guess it was uh, last Monday. Okay. So about a, a little over a week ago, you found out about the injunction. Now, back to your original question yep. when you said, okay, how do I fight this without a peer controlling? I think there's a, a, two different answers to this. One how do is, I fight that and how do I fight the uh, divorce? Yeah, both of them. Right. Well, I don't know that you can fight anything but the divorce. Let me explain as best I can. If a person says something such as she did, which she says, if you really loved me, you would let me go. Those kind of statements are the ones that we typically hear as being very manipulative. When somebody says, if you, if you love me, you wouldn't fight the divorce. If you love me, you'd let me go. Nearly every time I hear that from somebody, I'm thinking, eh, you're just trying to manipulate the other person. That's how I, I would view that. Now, obviously, I That's don't know her. Person. I can't speak that directly, but it sure sounds that way. Now, how do you fight it? Well, obviously, you have your attorney do the legal stuff, 
which means, okay, if, if she's going to ask for this or demand that, et cetera, you want to have time with your children, of course. You want to make sure that you're not taken advantage of in, in finances so forth and so on. But that's really up to your attorney to do. And so we often suggest that what you do is you let your attorney do those things. And if your spouse then responds to you, either through your attorney or directly, and says something like, wow, that's just tough. I mean, why are you doing this? The answer becomes something like this. You know, I, I really don't want the divorce. I'm sorry that seems to be harsh. But since, since we are going through the process of divorce, I'm going to follow my attorney's lead and do whatever my attorney says do. And, and therefore, if you get angry, I am so sorry, but it's not because I'm trying to do anything other than follow what my attorney says. Now, if you wish to try to reconcile the marriage, I'm happy to do that, and we can stop our attorneys from doing all these kinds of things. So the point here is that we recommend let the attorneys do the fighting, and when you get attacked for what the attorney does, what you're doing is you're just deflecting it by saying, I'm, I'm so sorry, I don't want the divorce, I'm not trying to be mean, but I will follow my attorney's advice. Then if you do have any contact with her, which obviously with an injunction is going to be extremely difficult to do, but if you do have any contact with her, you don't argue. You don't chastise. You don't point out how wrong she is. You don't tell her, well, I don't think I was as controlling as you think I am. Because this, at this point, anything you do that sounds as if you're trying to defend yourself is going to be viewed as uh, you're not facing up to what's really going on here. So instead, what you do, if you happen to have any communication whatsoever, is that you're very calm, you're very kind, you're very gentle, you do a lot of listening, and you don't try to do any convincing at all. Now, the reason for that is so that if the communication increases, then actually you can have some conversations that are adult to adult, not where she's attacking you, not where she feels like she's being attacked by you, not where you're having to justify yourself, where she feels like she's having to justify herself. In other words, that won't happen quickly. It takes a little time remember, to happen. I'm sorry? You probably don't remember this, but there is a man in her life who she said is no longer in her life, but he still comes over to the house. Right. So, I understand. Um, but, but there's nothing you can do about that unless you uh, – right. As I recall now, remembering now, I think you said he actually called and threatened you and threatened your dad yes, and those kinds did. of things. Yes. So if, yes, if uh, unless you want to take up a battle there, I mean, there's nothing you can do about that, right? Right. I mean, there really isn't. And so... I mean, I can file an injunction against him, but they said, you know, they told me you can't file an injunction when you have no visible real threats, but they didn't tell that to my wife, and so she was able to file one anyway. You know, so I guess they're more on the women's side. So I don't know about that. I have no idea. I mean, what happens in a particular county is different than the next county, so there's no way sure, I can speak yeah. to that. I'm just saying that even with him there, the only answer I know is when it comes to the legalities, let the lawyer do the fighting. When it comes to your conversations, you be calm, gentle, quiet, not trying to argue, not trying to explain. And if anything will give you a chance to ever start having real communication with each other again, that's what will give you that chance. And what about the divorce as far as do I fight to extend the state statute is six months? of counseling. My lawyer has told me, look, the, you know, in these cases, you just need to move on and find a new girl. Um, he said it never works. Um, he said they hate counseling. He said, you know, we can get them to go, but it's just wasting your time and, you know, and mine and hers. And I'm well, like, I, I don't know how to guide you on that because I don't know what kind of counseling they would require. Uh, marriage I counseling think... is what I would push for. Right. I, but we don't know who that would be with. What I'm saying is, if it's a really good marriage counselor, I'd go for it. But if you don't know if the marriage counselor is going to be any good or not, I really don't know. I'd, I'd try to find out. Well, it sounds as if your attorney doesn't really want to do the battle here to try to save your marriage. No, That's what it sounds like. No, he doesn't, because he actually doesn't believe. I mean, he's married himself, but he said tomorrow if he walked in, he said she'd be out of here. You know, he's not really wow. seeing it the same way I am. That's too so. bad. That's too bad. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, Kyle, that's my only suggestion to you is that be calm. Let the lawyers do the fighting. If it were I, I'd probably go for the six months of counseling just to give it a, a chance. But if I get those sessions, if, if, if the judge ordered that, 
in those sessions, I would be very calm, very gentle, very quiet. I would demonstrate different behavior than what she's used to seeing if I got the chance to go to the counseling. Now, that's what I would do. Obviously, you have to decide for yourself what you're going to do. Sure. I appreciate all right, well, it. I gotta, all right. You take care of yourself. Got more callers here. I hope it works out for you, young man. I truly, honestly do. We're going to area code 714. Hello, you're on the Joe Beam Show. Are you there? 714. Okay. Apparently, that person didn't really want to talk to me. Okay, we'll go past that one. We're going to go to the next one down here then. Let's see. No, 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 no. no, no. Can you hear me? Hello. Hello. Are you there? Yes. Who is this, please? Yeah, I'm here. I'm Lisette. Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> okay. Can you give me your just a first name to call you, please? Yeah, it's Lisette. Okay. How can I help you this evening? I was um, wondering if they ever do want to come back, even though you've been controlling. And the way I've um, noticed I was controlling is how you say you argue until the person sees it your way. Um, my husband has also said I've treated him kind of like a child and I was a parent, and mm-hmm. more so because I was in charge more of the budget, and he like put all the responsibility on me um, to do that, in which mm-hmm. I was trying to budget correctly. I wasn't trying to per se say you can't spend this money i was just trying to make sure we were making our bills making it to survive Mm -hmm. um but i definitely do see how i argue until he agrees with me and he'll say i always met your needs throughout our whole relationship and now it's time to think about my needs Mm -hmm. um he did have an affair an emotional affair he claims he doesn't talk to the girl any longer but he doesn't want to come back because he just says that he's just thinking about himself now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I so, didn't know if there's any way that I can show him I can not be controlling, and now that I realize it, and I'm uh, trying to work on it as much as I can. Well, and I appreciate the fact that you're doing that. <clears throat> but if I heard the question correctly, what, what I heard you say was, you know, how can I make him see that I'm not controlling? Just think about the language of that just for a second with me. What we're saying here is this. I'm sure you didn't mean to act like his parent, right? Right. Okay. But that's how he perceived it and and what you said. And by the way, thank you for your honesty. I mean, I really appreciate your honesty. You say, well, yeah, but I would argue him down until finally he would agree. And so you can see now how he did react, right? I mean, you, you can see his side at this point. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, I definitely see how he's feeling, especially I wouldn't want someone to try to argue with me until I'm just like, okay, fine, and just we'll do it your way. Right, okay. All right, so you say that he says it's ended with the other woman. That's good, but he still isn't ready to come back. That's not unusual, by the way. Uh, For example, if I may ask a question or two, um, is your husband religious in any way? Um, We're both pretty... um, Raised in the Catholic faith, and we got married in the mm-hmm. Catholic church. Mm-hmm. He even went to Catholic college, so he was pretty religious. Okay, so I would. Now, oh, okay, but I'm going to make, make I'm going to make the assumption then that divorce would be contrary to the beliefs and value system that he lived by most of his life. Would that be correct? Correct. Okay, when a person makes a decision to do something that's in contradiction to his beliefs or values, like for example, having an affair, which also would be in contradiction to the beliefs and values of being a good Catholic. When a person does something that's in contradiction to his beliefs or values, often they go through a thing which that's called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance means that inside within themselves, they start having this misery because they're, they're doing one thing when their beliefs and values tell them they should be doing another. When they finally resolve the conflict, in other words, they, they try to find some peace by resolving the cognitive dissonance. If they do that in a way that allows them to continue in the affair for a while, when the affair ends, they still haven't come back yet to the original belief and value system. And therefore, okay, hey, I'm out here, I'm single, I'm free, I can do whatever I want to do, kind of becomes attractive. Now, that doesn't mean there's no hope. Please don't hear that. I'm just saying, if you're understanding why did he not come right back, it's because he was already doing things contradictory to his belief and value system. And so continuing to do that 
is something that normally happens. So are you having any communication with him at all? Yes. It's, um, tonight he even came and picked up our daughter, and he stayed like maybe 20 more minutes, and we had good conversations about our day, about our job. So good. we're still in good contact. Um, I did have a mishap last week where I noticed I was being controlling again. Um, mm-hmm. And I apologize for it. Um, his friends told me that he told them that he still talks to the um, the other girl. And when I called him out on it, I asked him every which way I could ask him, like, do you talk to her still? And he just meant, like, I talked. He's like, I meant I just talked to her in general. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, are you in a relationship with her? Are you romantically involved? Are you? I just kept going. And then finally I noticed I'm being controlling again. I'm trying to control mm-hmm. him to tell me something I want to hear, and so I apologized the next day and told him, you know what, I don't like the way I acted. I realized how I was being, and he said, it's okay, he understood. So, so you think that I, he accepted your apology then? I think so, but I've been kind of down on myself thinking that it's going to make me lose hope because I really do want to change it. I just don't okay. know how to. Well, you sound to me like a pretty intelligent person. I mean, you you sound very bright to me. So you've got a good mind, right? Yes. Okay. All right. If you've got a good mind, you can figure out how to do this. Now, it's difficult to overcome old patterns. I mean, for anybody, I don't care how brilliant they are. And when you have a pattern set, it's difficult to stop that pattern. But you can do it. The thing is, you're going to have to take control of you. Now, what I mean by that is this. It doesn't mean your emotions are all going to go away or all going to change because you're a human being. They're still going to happen. But what it means is that, that you're actually, if, when you start asking him things like, well, I hear that you're talking to her, therefore you must still be in a relationship with her, and he starts making some kind of a comment back, you actually stop and ask yourself inside your own head, of course, not out loud. You ask yourself the question, what am I think I'm going to accomplish with this? I mean, so what if he admits it? I mean, is that going to help us any? I mean, is this a course of conversation that's really going to help potentially bring us back together? Or based on what he says, based on how he answers my questions, is it going to push us further apart? And particularly, particularly if I'm pushing for more information. Now, those kind of conversations need to happen inside your head, not the day after, but while you're doing those things. Now, do you have enough self-discipline that you can do that? I like to think so, yeah. Okay. If you have enough self-discipline to do that, you can. The good news is that you're still having some conversations. Great. Good for you. It's also good that you called him back and said, hey, I was out of line. I shouldn't have done that. That was good. Great. If, if you really want this to happen, and it sounds to me like you've got a shot at it, okay? The fact that he's still talking to you and that you can actually have conversations about how was your day, that's a good thing. And so if you can just follow that pattern, be very understanding. You see, the opposite of controlling behavior is being very accepting and understanding. And so if you can demonstrate, and you can have that conversation in your head while you're talking to them, hmm, how can I demonstrate acceptance, understanding, compassion? How can I demonstrate that? Keep that conversation running in your head when you're talking to him, and you actually have a shot at this. But by any chance, are you... Part of our uh, Save My Marriage 10-week program, by any chance? Yes, I just bought it. I'm on week two. Okay, all right. Well, when we go through there, we'll have a coaching call tomorrow night, by the way. I hope if you have time, be on that call tomorrow night. But you sound to me like a person that can pretty well do whatever she wants to do. That's, that's my impression, just listening to you talk. Would other people describe you that way? No. Most people nope. would say I'm passive. Yeah. <laughs> Passive? And, <laughs> yeah. And yet and yet you would argue him down <laughs> Okay. You don't sound think, passive to me. I'm too comfortable with him. <laughs> okay. But but you don't sound passive to me. The fact that he's talking to you is a good sign. You can do this, but I'm I mean, a little redundant. Have those conversations in your head while you're talking to him, not after. And that'll give you a long way uh, a, a good shot toward putting this thing back together. It really will. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, and now we're going to area code 801. Hello, 801. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Hi. Hi. Can I have a a first name to call you? Heidi. Heidi. Okay, Heidi, how can I help you tonight? 
Um, so your last caller answered a lot of questions about my issues with control. Just a quick summary of our situation. My husband left probably about five or six months ago. He's been having an affair with an employee since hmm. probably, you know, a little under a year. I'm so sorry. And um, and he has issues with me that I'm controlling, and I can definitely see, and especially after listening to those 30 questions, there are issues, and especially since he started the affair, I became more controlling. Mm-hmm. I guess, and that answered a lot of my questions on how to handle that for me. My concern now is with his control, there were a lot of questions about the anger and the threats. And um, and so just a recent conversation we had, He, I had had enough and I felt like it was just emotionally destroying me and so I had filed for divorce. And he called and said he wanted to meet to talk. Mm-hmm. And so that was last night. And the whole conversation was about how this is all my fault, how I've caused all these problems, how I've forced him into the affair, how I forced all these other things. And he's very demeaning. His language is very foul with me. Um, Um, He's even made some threats. And so I guess I don't really know how to handle that situation. I I have mm -hmm. been doing the things for me, trying to stay calm, controlled, um, not trying to argue. But I don't know how to handle his anger, I guess. Okay. Now, when you say he made threats, did he threaten you physically? Uh, yes, in a roundabout way he did. Okay, did you actually feel fear? Did you feel that you were in jeopardy? I was in my own car, so I was able to leave. Okay, but it was a, enough of a situation then that I'm hearing that it was a little scary then because you were thinking about leaving. Is that right? Yes. Okay, That <clears throat> the first suggestion I make, Heidi, is this. Uh, please don't allow yourself to be in an environment, in a situation, in a place where that you could be in jeopardy. That's extremely important. Uh, we want to make sure that you take care of you. That's crucial. And and before we get off here, I'm, I'm going to, before I get off this program, I'm going to give a telephone number for people to call. It may not be particularly what you need, but it's a, it's a number of people to call if they feel that they're in jeopardy and there are people there that can guide you. Okay. So that's number one. Please, please make sure that you are safe. I mean, that's so important. Now, his anger, is his anger because of the fact that you're not yielding uh, and the things that he wants to do with the divorce or is the anger, what's the anger about? I don't think he wants the divorce, but I'm at the point where I think for my emotional stability, I need it. Um, he's, He's just getting worse rather than better. And I think part of the anger when you asked the other caller about uh, religious, he was religious and has slowly pulled away from our religion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think he has some guilt. Mm -hmm. Um, But even conversations with me when I don't even talk much, there's just a lot of anger and hostility. Well, if I may ask, how old is he? Uh, 42. 42. Okay. The general principle is that anger is always based on pain. When we see anger, we know that there's something underneath that's hurting pretty badly. And so it it could be guilt. It could be guilt over the religious uh, violations that he's doing to his own belief and value system. It could be guilt because of the fact that he's been involved with somebody else, an employee. It could be, uh, let me ask one other question I just realized. Did you say that he does not want the divorce? I don't think so because I was the one that filed and that's what brought on his wanting to have a conversation with me uh, Okay. about reconciling. Oh, so the conversation was about reconciliation and yet... But the whole, yes, the whole conversation was about what I was going to do to change myself to make him happy and oh. how I was at fault for everything and nothing was directed towards what he saw. And so wow. it was more, I felt like it was more of an attack than anything yeah. else. Yeah, I don't blame you. I would have felt the same way. And so in that conversation, you finally just realized you needed to drive away, and you did. So good for you. That's a good thing. Have you had? Has he had tried to have any contact with you since then? Yes. Um, and he called today, and he tends to have this pattern where he will be very angry, and then he will feel bad and call the next day or send a text and apologize. And I feel mm-hmm. like it's just this constant struggle. And so he had called today and said that he was writing me a letter, and I – I didn't even want to have a conversation, so I just sat there and listened and just answered okay to everything he said and then 
God right. on the phone. Right. If if he were to get help for this, would you consider reconciliation? Yes. If he could get help and deal with his his anger and his violence, then obviously I would love to see, especially for me and for my children, to see the marriage come back together. Okay. Well, you sound to me like you're pretty balanced here. I mean, um, what I'm hearing is maturity and wisdom. I also appreciate the fact that you say, okay, I, I, I was controlling in some ways. But right now, what's happening, based on what, I'm, of course, I'm just hearing what you say. But it sounds like you have a man who is really struggling with something internally. That great pain is creating great anger. Therefore, you are certainly within your rights. As a matter of fact, I think even wise that if he says, I, I really want to talk about reconciliation for you to say, be happy to, but the first thing that has to happen is that you've got to go get some help with this anger problem. And, and I need to have somebody assure me that it's under control. In other words, it can't just be that you say, Hey, I'm going to counseling. I'll be fine. You'll need to give me some kind of access. And I don't need to know everything you talk to the counselor about. That's not what I'm saying. But at some point I need the person who's working with you to be able to talk to me, to give me some assurances about your anger being under control. Okay. You're, you're asking for that is extremely reasonable. Now, if he's going to come back with you, if he comes back with something like, well, there you go, you're trying to control me again, I think your response should be, you know, I take responsibility for my actions and the control that I did in the past. But right now, this is just the safest thing to do for everybody, for you, for our children, for me. And this is something I, I just am going to have to insist on. Now, I'm assuming that last night when he was being angry and yelling and saying all those mean, terrible words to you, that you stayed calm. Is that a correct assumption? Yes. Good, good. Well, that's what I would recommend, Heidi. I think that if he really wants to pursue reconciliation, and, and I'm glad he does, that if, if I were in your shoes, if it were I, of course, you, you have to make your own decision. I can't tell you what to do. But if I were in your shoes, right. I would say I'm happy to consider it, but this is the precursor. This is what has to happen first. And, and if you get that kind of help and work those things out, I'm happy to talk to you about reconciliation. Love to do it. But we can't do it until I feel safe. Not just physically okay. safe, but emotionally safe. Because when yeah. you have those kind of words coming at you, I mean, those are damaging, right? It is. It's very damaging. And to the point that, that I think that's why I finally filed, because I, I don't want to get to the point that I can't function for my own children. I, and I think that's extremely wise. My my heart breaks for you. I hope that whatever's tormenting this man, that he really will get the help that he needs to find out what it is and to deal with it. Now, I don't know him and, and therefore hear this in that perspective, but from what you're saying, it surely sounds to me like the issue here is not you. Now, but, you know, I'm sure that your relationship hasn't been perfect. I'm sure you've done things that were not right. I'm not saying that. Right. But, but that kind of anger, there's something else going on I'm, is my guess. I'm okay. not God. I don't know, but that's my guess. And, and it could go all the way back to his childhood and just now surfacing at the age of 42. But I surely hope, okay. I surely hope Heidi, that, that you stay safe and that you suggest to him or just make it a criteria. By the way, have you listened to any of our programs before? Yes, I've actually listened to several of them. And he actually just listened to, he told me this morning that he listened to the Guide to Boundaries. Um, Good. Because I have a really hard time setting boundaries with him. And so I asked him to listen to that. And um, he did. And Excellent. so I'm not quite sure what to expect in this letter that he's writing me. but um, Okay. And, and you, you have listened to that program too then? Yes. Okay, good. Because in there, remember, we also talked about criteria. And what we're talking about right now is a criteria. Here's a criteria. This is the criteria. Okay. This is going to have to happen if we work this out. I surely hope this works out for you. But please, please be safe and take care of yourself. I beg of you. Thank you. Okay, Heidi, you have a good evening. You too. All right, I'm going to take uh, another caller here. We're talking to area code 218. Hello, 218. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Hi, um, my name is Martha. Um, Martha. My husband's been, um, hi, (laughs) he's been living with another woman and he's been in the limerence and everything and he really was in it a lot and 
um, recently uh, this woman, she sort of pursued him and hit on him and whatever, and it kind of, it's come out that somebody else is pursuing her and whatever. She's not being a very great to him and things mm-hmm. sort of fell apart and he's ready to leave her, but he's still living with her. And I know, like, it takes time, like you said, to get out of that cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. I need to know kind of from my end, like, how long, where, where I'm at now, how long does it take? And then are there things that I need to not do to hinder it? Because I tend to be the kind of person that, I mean, I own my side of right. my mistakes. So if we get in a fight, I will mm-hmm. apologize for the things that I do, I will get blamed fully for it on his end and he doesn't take responsibility for the things he does. And I don't want to like, I I don't, on my end, I want to make sure I apologize and I take, if I, even if I, even if he's being a jerk and I yell, you know, and I lose my patience and I yell at him, I'll still apologize. Mm -hmm. But am I hindering him from seeing his by the things by doing that, and is there a different way I should handle things? I think it's always appropriate when you know that you did something that was not the best way to do it to say, "Hey, I shouldn't have done it that way. I'm sorry." I don't. I don't think that hinders anything. Just my suggestion is don't take responsibility for anything you didn't do wrong. So, for in other words, if, if he okay. yells at you or says, "Well, you did this and you did that," and you know that you really didn't. Then if, if I were in your shoes, I wouldn't take responsibility for that. I'd say something like, well, I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way. But I wouldn't say, wow, I'm sorry I did that if I didn't do that. So I suggest you take responsibility for the things that you actually know that you've not done the best. But don't take responsibility mm-hmm. for things that you didn't. And the okay. fact that woman, is she getting emotionally involved with the other guy who's pursuing her? Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. She doesn't so have you the don't... checklist that I seriously doubt she's being very honorable towards him. And, yeah. I mean, she's for it. And plus, things have gone downhill very quickly. Good. Um, but he's still living there, and he still is trying to be your friend or whatever, which is like yeah. I'm, well, on if... some level disgusting. But <laughs> Well, I agree. And if your perception of her is correct, it won't be long until he'll be a broken shell because what's going to happen is that, you know, she'll get involved with some other guy if she's not already, based on what you're telling me, and and things will really blow up, and he's going to be very, very hurt. Now, when that happens... He's already he start- really hurt, because he's kind of... He said he's broken up with her, but he's not... I don't know. It's He's just taking a really long time getting himself out of the situation, it gotcha. seems like. Well, and, and that means that that limerence is still there. But he's already beginning to experience who and what she really is. That's a good thing, which means that the limerence mm-hmm. is going to end. It won't end as fast as you want it to, but it is going to end. And when he talks to you about those things, as much as you can, be that safe place, you know, listen, understand, be compassionate, etc. That doesn't mean that you affirm anything he's doing wrong, but you can affirm him and affirm his, his you know, what he feels, his emotions, without affirming his actions. And I don't think yeah. you're doing anything to slow it down. What I'm hearing, what I'm really hearing you say is this. I wish it would happen faster. Am I doing anything to keep it from happening faster? I don't think you're doing anything to keep it from happening faster at all. And if you're saying, what can I do to make it go faster? I don't think you can do that either. My opinion is that you just keep being that safe place he can talk to. And, and he's going to wind up wanting to be with you if you can continue to do that. I'm sorry it's taking so long, and I'm sorry for the, what long, he has done. I mean, is there any rule of thumb for how long that takes when, for that? Once it, once it starts ending, no, there's no rule yeah. of thumb for that. No, no. How long has it been, how long has it been, quote, ending, end quote, so far? Um, well, it's been like maybe a week and a half since he found out about her. Oh, that's still, that's stuff. still brand new then. Uh, I wouldn't think it's going to happen really, really fast, but I don't think it's going to take six months either. I don't think it'll even take three months. But I I don't know him. I can't give you a definitive answer. I'm just telling you my opinion. You understand. Okay. 
And right. like when he gets angry, just responsible for what I do, but don't apologize for something I don't feel responsible for. That's the way I would do it. If it were high, that's how I'd handle it. All right. You okay. sound like you can, you sound like you're a pretty strong person. I think you're stronger than you realize you are. And I, I, uh, I pray that that other relationship ends terribly so that he comes back to where he needs to be to do the things he needs to do. And may God be with you, Martha. Okay. Thank you. All right. Yeah. God bless. Okay. We have come to the end of this episode on who, why people control and, and why I can't even say it, why people control others and how they do it. If you didn't hear before, you can get that free ebook by going to www.marriagehelper.com. That's marriagehelp, E-R, marriagehelper.com slash control. Download that free ebook. It's over 20 pages long. It'll give you a lot of information about control, plus that little profile at the end you can take. Until next week, this is Joe Beam saying goodbye.